Bible there. And that's a good thing. It's good to take a Bible to church. You want to go into the Word of God. You want to make sure what we're talking about is there and that I'm not leading you up a garden path, which I promise not to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm only a person too. So you keep going back to that Word and you make sure that what we talk about and what you hear, doesn't matter who the preacher is or pastor is, you make sure that, that, that it's coming out of here and that it's in line with what the Bible talks about. Uh, I just want to pray for us and then I want to dive back into a few things we've been talking about over the last uh, few weeks. So Father, thank you. For this morning, God, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, I just pray right now, open our hearts, Holy Spirit. Speak to us in a language that each of us in this room right now can understand. Speak to us at a place where we are, meet a need that's going on in our world right now. Challenge us this morning, God. We want to get to know you more, Father. We want to be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, (coughs) we've been talking about Asking, except for last week, I was away. I listened to Daniel's message on iTunes. It was fantastic. It was. That was awesome. That was really, really good. Um, you'll be back up next week. You're right. <laughs> um, about four weeks ago, I started talking about um, asking. Um, what was it? What, what do we call it, Del? Asking. asking? <laughs> Not so bold now, are you? Hey. <laughs> we we totally get your ask in the gear. And so, which, which Del kept reminding me each week what it was. So we've been talking about asking. So the first week we talked about asking God, about getting to a place where we're, we're bringing our petitions, our needs and so on to God. You know, we have a loving Father that cares for us, amen? We don't follow a philosophy. We don't follow a, a way of life per se. We're following a living uh, God. We're following a person. We're, we're, we're following a God that's active, that knows our needs. We're following a God that wants a relationship, that speaks to us, that guides us, that has uh, good intentions and favour towards us. That's who we follow. And so we don't ever want to reduce our faith to just some way of life. Christianity is just another way of life. No, it's not. We follow the living God. That's what we believe. That's what we preach. That's what we talk about. And that's what the Bible teaches. So the first week we talked about asking God, bringing back to God. You know, there are probably things when we were kids. When we're kids, we're bold, aren't we? We just ask anything. We don't care whether we deserve it. We don't care whether mum and dad have got the money. We don't care. Kids just want everything and they ask for everything. And then as life goes on, we, we mature in some areas, but in other areas too, maybe because of disappointment or uh, things that have happened uh, along the way, as we've asked, we've, we've basically learned not to ask anymore. And we bring that to our faith and we stop asking God, yet Jesus said, you know, ask of me. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And so we talked about asking God and getting our ask in the gear, getting our ask back on and approaching God. The second week we talked about why we can do that the bible says that we can approach the throne of grace with boldness not because of how great we are it's a throne of grace we, we can approach god not because we've earned it not because we're fantastic but because he is you know um we talked about the story of the prodigal son and that neither the older or the younger boy understood that what they had was because of the goodness of the father the father was a good father. Go back and read the story. Uh, he was an awesome father. He, he, he went through a lot and gave up a lot, sacrificed a lot uh, to give to both those kids. But neither of them understood how good their father was. But we approach God not on the basis of us. I have some up weeks and some down weeks, but I approach God on the basis of who he is. He's a good God. Amen? And so we approach God on the basis of that. Third week, we talked about desiring to be blessed by God. Uh, now, I'm not talking about jets and cars and houses and so on, but what I'm talking about is, is having the blessing of God tangible upon me so that the people around me see that. And they go, 
I want in on that. I want a piece of that. Where did this come from? What's, well, why is it in the midst of turmoil you seem to have so much peace? Where do you get this from? Not everybody has that, you know? So we're not just talking material things. And we go back to that story of the prodigal son. And the Bible says that when the son was sitting there feeding the pigs, he said to himself, why am I doing this? My father's hired helpers have enough and some to spare. The hired helpers, he recognized those back who were in his father's house. They not only had enough for themselves, but they had enough to spare. And so we need to desire to have enough to spare. I think personally, if all I care about is me, I've got enough peace just for me. And I don't care about anybody else. I've got enough uh, uh, finance just for my own needs. And I don't care about anybody else. If I've just got enough for me and I don't care about wanting any more for anybody else, I think that's kind of selfish in, in a sense. Um, so we talked about that, about desiring to be blessed of God. There's nothing wrong. The word blessing is not a wicked, uh, dirty word. It's been turned a bit that way by people who've taken it to an absolute extreme. And, and people that, that, that say the blessing is purely material. Look, it's not purely material. It's partially material. Go back to the Old Testament. Read the story of Israel. God's plan for that nation was, he said, I want to bless you. So the nations of the earth will look at you and go, wow, look at their God. Look what he does. Look how he treats them. So there is an aspect of the blessing of God. Yeah, Wes, it, it, it's external and people see it, whether that be material stuff, whether that be the peace I have, the joy I have, the life I have, the, 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 the passion I have, you know? Um, So we talked about that the third week. I want to move on this week and kind of wrap it all up. I want to talk about positioning ourselves for blessing. It's one thing to ask. It's one thing to know that God is a a good God and and he is a great God and that he uh, will bless us. It's another thing to really desire to have enough, not just for me, but to understand I'm blessed to be a blessing. And this week I want to talk about positioning ourselves for all that, to bring it all into perspective and bring it all into a little bit of context. I don't know if anybody here surfs. Anyone surf? Got any surfers here? Whatever. I, when I was younger, I used to surf. Um, yeah, or your bodyboard. No, that's not a surfer. I said surfers, anybody? <laughs> Anyone that gets out the back of the water on a surfboard or a bodyboard or whatever, you'll know one thing. If you get in the right position, you'll catch waves. When I first started surfing, I used to go to North Wall. And I used to hate the hustle and the bustle, so I would sit off to the side, somewhere sort of between North Wall and Main Beach, and it was dead as a doornail. Now, I sat there because nobody else was there, because I didn't have to fight with anyone, so I thought, yes, I don't have to hustle with anybody for waves. But the reality is nobody was there, because there's no waves there. Absolutely no waves there. So I would position myself off to the side where there were no waves to be caught, and I'd be looking over here and getting really angry and mad because all these other blokes are getting wave after wave after wave after wave. But if I want to catch a wave, I've got to position myself in the right place to catch that wave. Amen? I've got to be in the right place to catch that wave. Uh, I, 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 I coach sporting teams. I've coached rugby league. I, I coach touch football. Um, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Think about a sport that you have played or do play or a sport that you watch. It's amazing the difference position makes, being in the right place for the play that's unfolding. Body position, being stepping off on the right foot at the right time, facing the right direction, shoulders, hips, all that stuff. Positioning is everything in life. And if we want to be blessed of God and we want to receive everything that God has for us, I think we've got to position ourselves as well for that. If you go with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, I'm going to put my glasses on, I don't care. I look good in these. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20, it says this. 
<laughs> says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. Now, how stupid is that? Seriously. If, I, if, if, if you were there, if I was to come to you and go, look, Dell, here's the reality, right? I'm, I'm putting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Your choice, what do you want? Life and blessing, exactly right. It seems like a no-brainer, like, but you've got to stand before a nation of millions of people and give them the option. I wonder if anyone sat there and thought, death? Oh. Nobody's going to choose that. I mean, who's going to choose that? Nobody is going to choose that. Everyone's going to choose life, and everyone's going to choose blessing. And he says it's a choice. He says it's up to you. I've outlined this, this, this scenario before you. Now, if you go back a couple of chapters and you read, he outlines if you uh, will follow God with all your heart, here's what life can look like for you as a nation and as individuals. If you don't want to follow God wholeheartedly, then here's what life can look like for you, and here are some of the consequences of that. Now, having outlined all what life can look like if you obey me, and all of what life can look like if you don't, I'm now going to ask you a question. It's like sitting for your HSC and having the answers given to you before you're actually given the question, isn't it? It's not a hard one. Of course, everybody wants life and blessing. But you see, the choice he's asking them to make here is not a choice of life and blessing or death and cursing. The choice is, who are you going to obey? The life and death... The blessing and cursing are simply consequences of the actual choice. And the actual choice is, who do you want to follow? Who do you want to follow? Do you want to follow God wholeheartedly? Do you want to walk the way that God says to walk? Do you want to live on this planet the way God says is the best way to do it? Or do you want to think that you know better, that you can do a better job, and that, that there's other ways out there now. I mean, let's face it, we're a modern world. You know, we are a modern world. We're, we're pretty smart. I mean, we've come a long way since when this thing was written. You know? We, we should be on Bible 6.0 by now. You know? We've come a long way. Times have changed. You know, maybe what they said back here, maybe God, you know, maybe God was sort of, wasn't sort of thinking with a lot of hindsight, a lot of foresight, sorry. He's just thinking, well, for now, the way the world is now, I mean, this works really well. But, you know, in, 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 in 6,000 years, I get it. It's going to be a bit different. You know, you, you, it, times will change. And God's sitting up there going, it's all cool because I'm adaptable. I'll adapt. What do you want me to be? What do you want me to say in that situation? How do you want me to, to think about that scenario? I mean, that's... The call here was, here's the consequences. Here's the kind of life you can have. But choose today. Who are you going to serve? Which way do you want to go? So I believe if we want to position ourselves to be blessed of God, we need to make the choice that we're going to live life the way God wants us to live it. Now, we have the choice and we can choose not to live life the way God... We've got that choice. We've got that choice. You can look at your relationships and go, well, God's got a, an outline here. He tells me how to have good relationships and I, I can, can do it God's way, but I have the choice to not. I don't have to. But there will be consequences and things either way, regardless of what choice I make. Here's the thing. The blessing and the cursing that he talks about here, there were consequences. Blessing is in the hands of God, not you. 
You can't control the blessing that comes into your world. You don't go, okay, God, well, here's the deal. I'm going to do this, and I want blessing A, B, C. D, nah, because that didn't bother me. Anyone ever read um, His Needs, Her Needs, the, 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 the book about marriage? And it's, a, it's a great book, His Needs, Her Needs. It lists the top five needs of a male and top five needs of a female. Me and my wife got it when we were married. But what we did, we, we, we read it to each other. So the first night I read need number one for a woman, and I read it out aloud to her. And she was able to stop and go, uh, actually, no, that's probably need 27 for me, to be brutally honest, you know. <coughs> so we were able to kind of tweak it around, you know, and, 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 and personalise it to us. But when it comes to the blessing of God, it's not my problem. I can't tell God, I'm going to obey you, and this is what the blessing's going to look like. Blessing is the prerogative of my Father. He will bless me the way that he chooses in that given situation, you know. I've heard people say, you know, I've heard it preached, you need $1,000. Then give God a hundred, and he guarantees that you'll get, you know, they do the maths on this. You'll get a thousand, you know. Wow, is God that controllable? Then who's God? I think that kind of makes me God, isn't it? I mean, if I'm in total control, who's God now all of a sudden, me or him? Blessing is the prerogative of God. But to position myself to be blessed, I have to make the choice that I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to live it. And it's not always easy. And it's certainly not always popular, especially in the world we live in today. Amen? It's not popular. It's not always easy. But it's right. Now, here's the thing that we need to realize. God can bless a disobedient person. But I believe he will bless an obedient person. God can bless a disobedient person. He can do it. He's God. He's a God of grace, a God of mercy. And there are times where we look at people and we go, I can't believe... Come on! Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Is there like a, you know, these guys that wear the tinfoil hats so the aliens can't get into their brains? You ever seen those on the movies? They wear tinfoil on their head because the aliens apparently, they can draw your thoughts out. But if you put tinfoil on your head, I mean, they can build spaceships to fly from one side of the galaxy to the other, but they can't get through tinfoil. <laughs> right? Isn't that amazing? We can, we can live on Mars and bury underground and we've got systems and structures and kings and we fly billions of light years around and we're so fast you can't see us. But boy, when we got there, they had tin foil on and we couldn't do nothing. <laughs> Report back to your seniors when you get home after that. We've been away 10 million years to earth tin foil. Who would have figured? Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but there are people who we know, you and I know, who don't necessarily do the right thing but there still appears to be a degree of blessing upon their life. That is the mystery of God. That is the prerogative of God. But here's the thing. I've got a choice in my life. Do I want to live in the place where God can bless me? Or do I want to live in a place where I know God will bless me? Do I want to live in God's can? Or do I want to live in God's will? And that's my choice for my life. And that's your choice for your life. Do you want to live in the can of God where he can? Or do you want to live in the will of God? I mean, if, if sports bet... Or TAB were running a, a, a odds-on believers obeying God and being blessed and being victorious or disobeying God and still being victorious and winning, I reckon the odds would be more in favour of the obedient people than the disobedient people. It doesn't mean the disobedient can't win. 
the Tigers at the moment are coming ninth. But when we win the grand final in eight weeks' time, everyone's going to go, how did it happen? Oh, look at the odds, though. It's never going to buy 120. But when it happens, you're all going to get this. You're going to look back to this sermon and go, I get it. That's what he meant. Sometimes the, the ones that you think can't win and shouldn't win, they win. And if it doesn't happen, you're going to go, forget that. That was a load of rubbish. I, my, 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 um, I'd spent a lot of time. I spent um, uh, about 13 years with Youth with a Mission before uh, getting involved in pastoring in different churches. And I spent a lot of time with young people. I, I go to their training schools and I still teach on their schools. And, um, so I spent a lot of time with young, young people. And I remember having a chat with a young guy once and, and he was just coming to that age of 18 and the world opens up when you turn 18. You know, all of a sudden you've got all these things that you can do that you couldn't do before and all these opportunities. And this guy's talking about, you know, about um, uh, gambling, basically. going, oh, I'll go down, all my mates put money in poker machines. And I... So I'm trying to be a fatherly type figure and trying to talk to him, be sensible, you know. Look, I work too hard for my money to be wasting it like that. I don't think it's good. And I'm, I'm trying to give him this best advice. And, and, and I make the mistake of saying, you know, nobody ever wins on those things. Well, what do you think happened? He goes and puts a few bucks in and bang, got more money than I got. And I'm like, oh, take my words back. God, why did that happen? I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm, I'm telling him, don't. And then he does, and you bless him. I'm not saying God blessed him. I'm not saying God gave. But I'm, what I'm saying is he thinks that it worked. He thinks he's been blessed. It's like, God, you could have stopped that. Just make another whatever thing spin that's different. And then I look like I know what I'm talking about. And now all these young people are like, you don't know nothing. I've, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've done that with my own kids. I've got four kids. Uh, my wife's not here today because my daughter's got a, a netball carnival uh, down in Ballinus. She doesn't normally, they don't have Sunday carnivals, they do today. So she's down there playing that. But, I, but I've got four boys, uh, three boys, sorry. <laughs> if I've got another one, I don't know about him. I hope that was not the spirit of God coming out. But I've got three boys, three boys, all right? And they're all over 18. And I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had foot in mouth disease with those kids I've, to the point where I, I almost walk around now and I say, God, this is your fault. I'm not talking to them. Because whatever I say as fatherly advice about life and being blessed and prosperous, I'll say this. They're going to go, Dad said that. I'm going to do that and hit the jackpot. And it's like, oh, God, why does this happen? But, you know, it's the prerogative and the mystery of God. It's the mystery of God. I don't get it all. But that's the beauty. I'm not God. He is. So I'm not trying to work it all out. But I've got one thing to work out. Who am I going to obey with my life? Am I going to choose to deal financially and, and, and manage my finances in the way that I believe God says I should do it? Am I going to manage my marriage, my relationship with my wife, in a way that God says I should do it? Am I going to raise my children in, in, in the, the way I can, uh, the way that I believe God says I should do it? Am I going to treat the relationships I have with people the way that God says to do it? To the best of my ability. None of us here have got a monopoly on revelation. No one in this room has 100% knowledge of anything to do with God. But we're doing the best we can with the revelation and knowledge we have. And that's all I believe that, that, that God's looking from me. You see, the Bible calls us to spiritual maturity, not spiritual perfection. We're called to maturity. Maturity is not perfection. 
I'll be perfect one day. You know when that's going to happen? <laughs> when I'm out of the way. That's right. When I'm out of the way and I'm standing face to face with God and I, he asks me a question and I go, blah, blah. I've got, I'm here, my head's going, that's not how you do it, Jesus. Or he's, this is how I did it back in my day. And I go, because it won't come out. It won't come out. I'll be perfect one day. This side of heaven, I will never be perfect. But I need to choose to be obedient with the knowledge I have. You know, there's an interesting passage with the Pharisees one time when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees. And I've, quite, I've said it a few times here because I believe in it. Jesus said to the Pharisees that, that you've never heard the voice of your father. You've never heard the voice of the father. Amazing comment to make to these guys that had such unbelievable Bible knowledge. What he was saying to them was this, because you've already determined not to obey, you've never heard the voice of your father. If you don't want to obey God and you've got no intention of doing what he's asking you to do, then you will not hear his voice. Why would God speak to you? Why would God speak to you and put you in a position of disobedience when he knows you're not going to listen to him anyway? God wants to bless us, but we play a role in that by positioning ourselves in a place where he can. Well, there's every place that he can, but we try to position ourselves in a place where we know that he will. That's, that's what we want to do. Um, have a look at these verses, these passages. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to think long and hard about what is written in it. Oh, <laughs> you got me. That's the real one up there. Sorry, thanks, Luke. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may not think long and hard, but that you may observe to what? Do it. Observe to do it. And what's going to happen when you do it? Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. Do it. What's doing it? It's obedience. It's obedience. James chapter 1 verse 25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work... This one will be blessed in what he does. Who's the blessed one? It's the, it's the doer. It's the doer. How many times did God speak to somebody in the Bible to do something and they did it, and what was the outcome? Blessing, victory, whatever. Sometimes it made sense, sometimes it didn't. You know, Joshua, I've got an idea. You know that wall you can't get through? Tell all the boys to put their converse on. We're going to go for a walk. And the next day, let's do it again. The next day, do it again. By day five, I know what I'm saying to Joshua. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm saying to Joshua. <laughs> but they did it. <laughs> now at the end of it, let's all scream, Go the Tigers! And in the, it's in the Hebrew. Dale, you look it up. I wouldn't lie to you. Go the tigers and down came the wall. Sometimes what God says makes incredible sense to us. You know, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Jesus sees a dude who's blown, spits on the ground, makes mud, rubs it on his eyes. And then says, go and wash. 
It's like, dude, I was clean before you did that. That's stupid. That is stupid. You, you wash me. You may be dirty, you know. But he goes and does it. What happens? Gets his sight back. Gets his sight back. <laughs> was it Naaman, I think, in, in the Old Testament? He was crook. He had leprosy and, and was told, go, go see uh, uh, Elisha, the prophet, and he'll pray for you and he'll do all this stuff. So he rocks up and, and Elisha doesn't even come out. His servant comes in. He goes, hey, dude's out here waiting to get healed. And, and he's just sitting there reading his rugby league week. <laughs> and he just, he just, without even looking up, just says, just go and tell him to go and wash in the river seven times. Go and dip himself. <laughs> so the dude walks out and goes, hey, go and dip yourself in the river seven times. And Naaman did what I would have done. What? You're kidding, aren't you? I thought he'd come out and wave his hands and do some kind of dance on me and stuff. What are you going to wash in that river? It's dirty. I'm not, I'm not going to bathe in the, in the Wilson River when I can go to the Richmond. <laughs> it's dirty. It's clean. It's dirty. It's clean. Fish have one head, two heads, one head, two heads. I'm not doing that. And then, one, then, then, the, then the name and servant says, to him, well, you know, if you had to come and told you to do something really fancy, you would have done it. So he's, he's giving you a pretty easy option. You go and do it. So he does, and of course he's healed, you know. Saul, who was the king of Israel, he was told by Samuel the prophet, go get ready for battle and wait for me. I'm going to rock up at the appointed time and I'll do a sacrifice before the Lord and after that, you're going to have victory. And so what does Saul do? He goes there and he's waiting 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 and he decides to offer the sacrifice by himself. Think about it. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, does it? He decides to offer a sacrifice to God, but he does it himself, even though God said, wait. Samuel, come and do it. So he does it himself. Samuel rocks up and goes, what have you done? He goes, well, you know, my people were freaking out. They were threatening to abandon me and run off. The enemy were, were coming at us, and there's lots of those dudes. You were late. Come on, we check your sundial on your wrist. It's not working. Recalibrate it, brother. And he blames everybody else. And for that, he lost the kingdom. Because you haven't waited. If you had waited, Samuel said, I would have established your throne forever. What did he do? He just didn't do what God said. What's your choice? Are we going to do what God says or are we not? Are we going to walk out of here and be forgetful hearers? Are we going to have a quiet time in the morning, read the word of God, memorize scripture because, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it, it can look like that's what this is all about. You know? How much stuff do we know? I don't think God cares how much stuff we know. God looks at our life and goes, how much stuff are you living? How much stuff are you doing? I'd rather, I'd rather give somebody three bits of information and know they did it and pour my blessing upon that person than you have 500 bits of information and you're not doing any of it. You know? We position ourselves to be blessed by actually doing what God says to do. You know, Adam and Eve, in the beginning, had the opportunity to do what God wanted and God gave them an instruction. It was a pretty simple one. Don't, you know, don't touch this tree, whatever. And munging away on the apples and he rocks up. And uh, we all know the story. What does he do? Well, Adam blames her. Or he blames God first, actually. 
says, God, this woman you gave me, you know, we can be like that, can't we, with our lives? We can be like that with those areas of disobedience that we have in our world. We can be exactly the same like Adam. God, first of all, God, it's your fault. It's your fault. I didn't ask to be born to those parents. I didn't ask to be born in that city. I didn't ask to be born in that country. I didn't ask to, to, to be born in that place. God, I didn't ask to be born, um, you know, with red hair or to be born with fat toes or I didn't ask to be born with, yeah, exactly, or, you know, or, or born with pointy ears or whatever. It can be God's fault. Or it's the woman. You, you gave me this woman, God. God, it's the family I was raised in. It's therefore my mother never breastfed me as a child. That's why I failed my HSC. It's her fault. Her fault, your fault. Take your pick, God. And he goes to Eve and he says, Eve, what's, what's the story? And Eve says, well, the serpent gave it to me. So hang on. So it's either God's fault or it's somebody else's fault or now it's the devil's fault. It's the devil. It's the devil. devil made me do it. It's all the devil. We can be like that, can't we? Areas of our lives that we know are not surrendered to God. Areas of our life where we know we're not living according to what God wants. It's God's fault, or it's somebody else's fault, or it's the devil's fault. It's never our fault. I can tell you now, I've got areas of my life that I have 100% control over. Now, I want to finish up with this. The story of the prodigal son. Luke 17, we've, we've danced around this one for quite a bit since we started talking about this. I want to finish with this. It's one of my favourite stories in the Bible. Luke 15, sorry. <laughs> Luke 15. And here's what it says. If we've got areas of our world which are not submitted to God, which we know that we're living in direct disobedience to God, we have a choice today. We have a choice to change. We have a choice, a decision to make, to keep going that way or to not. I'm a firm believer that I can only be held accountable for the information I have. You know, I used to do a lot of evangelistic preaching around the place and... And I would be very clear with my audiences that at the end of a gospel presentation, you're now accountable for this information. You can't stand before God and say you never heard. You know. And I believe that I'm accountable for the information I have, not the information I've done. There's lots of stuff I don't know yet. And in some, some ways, I'm really grateful for that because, you know, maybe it's saving me some... But, but what I do know, I'm accountable for. And if we're living in deliberate disobedience, there's this little thing called repentance. The Bible calls it Repentance. I want to give you a great picture of what repentance is. And here it is here. It's in the story of the prodigal son. It says in verse 17 of Luke 15, it says, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Three things, very quickly. When he came to himself, it's, it's a decision that you have to make. You have to come to yourself. You have to look at your life and take stock of those areas and go, you know what, this relationship over here, it's not good. Here's why. I'm going to own it. It's not good. And I know that I'm to blame. I know that I play a role in that. I know that I'm not treating that person the way the Bible says I should, the way God wants me to. My financial situation I'm in right now, I'm going to take responsibility for it. It's, it, it's me. I can blame everybody, and I know there are circumstances and situations, but it starts with a choice to turn any situation in life around. Any situation in life 
starts with a choice to turn it around, a choice to get back on track. First thing he did was that the Bible says he came to himself. He made the choice for himself. Second thing he did is he said, I'll arise and go to my father. I'll arise and I'll go to my father. He made a decision to actually do something. Here's that word do again. He actually made a decision to do something. One thing to go, yeah, I'm, this, I'm not submitting to God in this area. I'm living in disobedience to God in this area of my life. It's one thing to see it. Then you've got to make a decision to do something about it. Or you can be sitting there. How, how many of us have got things? And we know they're not right. And every New Year's, uh, 1st of January, we're saying the same thing. I'm going to be more careful with the conversations I have because I gossip too much. And next January 1st, you're saying the same thing. I'm going to be more. And I'm going to be more. I'm going to be more careful with the things I allow my eyes to see, what I watch on TV or, you know. I'm going to actually start to bring God into my financial world and not just think you're just the religious part over here, but, you know. I'm going to bring God into my business dealings. I'm going to bring God into my, my sport that I play and the relationships I have with them. I'm going to bring God into that. He came to himself. He, <coughs> he made the choice and then he came up with an action. Then the third most powerful thing he did was this. In verse 20, it says, And he arose and came to his father. He made a choice. He decided he had to do something and then the most important thing was he did something. He actually did it. He actually got up and he started walking towards his father. That's repentance. That's what repentance is. It's coming to ourselves and going, you know what, God, I'm sorry for that. That's not right. And making the decision that I'm going to do something about it but then following it through with a step. One step. One step. Every step he took brought him one step closer to the Father and one step further away from the problem. So we've got to be practical about it and we've got to take the steps that we need to take. Maybe for some of us that step is to go and apologise. Maybe for some of us that step is to grab somebody and go, you know what, I'm really struggling with this. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Hold me accountable. Maybe for some of us, that first step is to acknowledge this problem is way bigger than any of that. I need to talk to a counsellor. I need professional help. Because if I don't take that first step, then I'll stand here the whole time just chucking feed to pigs. And I won't walk in the blessing of God. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you again for today, Lord. And God, I, I, I just pray for each of us in this place today, Father. If there are things in our world that uh, are not pleasing to you, God, we're, we're, not, we're not looking at perfection, God, but we do want to be spiritually mature. And spiritually mature people handle mistakes a certain way. And so, Father, if we have areas of our world, God, where we're not living the way you want us to live, Father, we just pray gently, Holy Spirit, put your finger on that. Put your finger on those areas of our life. Show us so that we can see it, so that we can change our mind about it. And then give us strategies and ways that we can begin to actually stand up and take steps away and start to walk towards freedom and walk back towards blessing. God, we want to position ourselves in the best place to be blessed by you. And that's, that's our heart's desire, that's our heart's cry, Father. Not just for ourselves, but because if we're blessed, God, we can be a blessing to the world around us. And Father, I pray for each person as we leave uh, church this morning, God, as we leave our gathering. Father, bless each person. Keep them safe on the roads on the way home. God, I pray that, uh, Father, they have a great week at work, at school, whatever it is that we're doing. And Lord, in the next seven days, give every single person in this building right now, every person, an opportunity to tell somebody about the love of God that does not yet know it. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said.
Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming along. It is hot, isn't it? It's warm. I'm sweating up here like you wouldn't believe. It's because I've got a Born for More shirt on top of my other shirt. Yeah, I just realised that then. That's probably why. It's not helping, is it? Uh, anyway, have a great week, guys. See you in Connect Group. We'll see you on Thursday at our worship night if you can make it. <laughs> and anyone else that hasn't seen Pete for next Saturday, make sure you come and grab Pete. Don't feel like you've got to run off because this is our house now, so we don't have to pack up and run off. If you want to hang around, more tea and coffee there, biscuits, help yourself, guys. <laughs>